Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 4th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at the most recent COVID data in our state. We have an update on a new state budget going through the House. Another Democrat jumps in the 2022 gubernatorial race and makes history. And in our business section, we got some numbers for you, including state and national unemployment data, as well as a report on the ongoing demand in the labor market. We also talk oil prices and inflation and much more. And it's June, folks. You know what that means. We want to hear from you about what's going on. So leave us a one minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. You know we do this every June, so you got to call us. <laughs> leave us your name, a message, and where you're calling from. Just tell us what's happening this June. And thanks. Currently in South Carolina, the spread of COVID-19 is moderate, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,744 total deaths, and currently there are 593,727 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of June 4th at 4 p.m. Yes, folks, you heard me. The spread of COVID-19 is no longer widespread, ongoing, and not contained. The weekly state report put together by the White House COVID team shifted the state from substantial transmission of COVID-19 to moderate transmission on May 21st. So apologies for not flagging this sooner, but this move is due to the continued decrease of our new cases per 100,000 residents, our positivity rates, hospitalizations, and deaths. So very encouraging news there. Now, our current percent positive rate is 2.7%. There are 232 patients hospitalized with COVID-19, 69 are in intensive care, and 32 are on ventilators. And we got some more details for you. Our current seven-day moving average is 213 cases. We're on track to have our seventh week of declining cases. We've seen a drastic decrease in weekly deaths, which went from 53 the week ending May 15th to 29 to 17 deaths over the subsequent weeks. Currently, 37.7% or 1.6 million eligible South Carolinians have been vaccinated. Our seven-day moving average of doses administered continues to decline and is currently 5,866. Those aged 20 to 24 are still woefully undervaccinated. But there are more and more incentives out there to get people vaccinated. And while we don't have a statewide lottery or something like that, I can tell you that if you get one of the three safe and effective vaccines that researchers have spent years on creating the science behind, that you can actually prevent yourself from getting seriously ill or dying from COVID-19. You know what's better than a free beer? Being able to taste and smell beer and not dying. Even if you've had COVID-19, the vaccine provides you with longer lasting immunity to the virus. Earlier this week, the full House Ways and Means Committee met to once again update and approve a nearly $11 billion budget for the coming fiscal year. The budget includes a 3% pay raise for state employees, as well as a $1,000 pay increase for teachers, among other things. The budget returned to the House Budget Writing Committee, where it is always initially crafted, after the Senate passed their own version. The reason this hasn't been completed is because lawmakers were waiting on additional input from state economists on how much money they could budget with. 
Lawmakers get updates throughout the year, but wanted to get the most accurate forecast for this budget as it comes off a year of operating under a continuing resolution, which kept the 20 to 2021 fiscal year at the previous year's levels. So currently there's also close to an additional $2 billion in the budget thanks to these forecasts. Now here's Chairman Merle Smith discussing the state budget on June 2nd. As we move forward, we have priorities and we worked on those priorities through this process. And, and you know, I want to tell you the focuses I've seen on this as we're getting through this is we focus on education. We focused on state employees as we discuss Ms. Cobb Hunter, never to your satisfaction, but I bet it was it was more than what where we started earlier. So uh, we so got to yep, so you're here. Um, and we also need to focus on tourism and uh, health care as well as local areas. Guys, South Carolina's economy was wrecked with, with COVID, and we went through three or four months where we were assuming the worst conditions and things uh, ended up doing very well. And, you know, and the reason is is because, I'll say this again, the steady hand of leadership from the governor's office and also the fact that we have been physically prudent in how we managed our budgets, how we prepared for the worst and 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 invested in, in reserves and making sure that we were not going to spend dollars that we weren't certain we were going to have. So while people may want to criticize or look at this budget and say this is a large budget, at the end of the day, this is a two-year budget. And so if you split the re recurring revenue that we have of $486 million into the two years, because this is two years of growth, you're talking about 200 and, and plus million dollars, which in a, most years, even when you come here, we would say, well, that's a so-so year. So uh, while we talk about a lot of revenue, we got to look at, put this in perspective and the perspective of that this is uh, two years of, of growth that we have. Now, the budget also includes, among other things, $48 million for tuition freezes for in-state students at colleges and universities. This money is paired with boosting funds for maintenance, renovation, and repairs for higher education institutions by $440 million. Other budget highlights include putting a nurse in every public school as well as a school resource officer. Nearly every law enforcement officer in the state will also see a pay increase. The House will be back next week to take up the budget, which goes into effect July 1st. From the House to the Senate slash campaign trail. Yeah! That was Dean's screen. That was Howard Dean right there, folks. Democratic State Senator Mia McLeod of Columbia announced her bid for governor on Thursday, becoming the third Democrat to throw their hat in the race against Governor Henry McMaster. By entering the race, McLeod becomes the first black woman ever to run for the chief executive spot in the state. And if elected, which is practically impossible for any Democrat running statewide in this ruby red state, she would become the first black woman to ever serve as governor in the country. The 52-year-old McLeod was first elected to the State House of Representatives in 2010 and then the Senate in 2016 to represent District 22, which includes parts of northeastern Richland County and part of Kershaw County. The Bennettsville native is a fifth-generation South Carolinian, a 1990 USC graduate and 1995 USC Law School graduate. She was the director of the State Office of Victim Assistance from 1990 to 2001 and held other positions in government in the early 2000s. She currently works as a communications consultant. Here's Senator McLeod on Thursday. For generations, my family has chosen to stay here because when you love our state as much as we do, you're able to look beyond her challenges, to see her possibilities and fight like hell to help her reach her true potential. 
Sadly, because of decades of desertion and neglect, we're losing so many of our best and brightest to neighboring states that offer higher paying jobs and opportunities for a better quality of life and leadership that actually cares about and, and caters to the needs of all of the people. That's something South Carolina hasn't had in decades of Republican governors who care only about their base and have no real connection to or compassion for the rest of us. So when my boys, both recent college graduates, tell me that this state, our state, under Republican control, doesn't represent their interests or value their voices, it's heartbreaking. And I know I'm not alone. That's why I ran for office. And it's why I've taken the fight straight to those in power. Even when it meant pissing off members of my own party. I've been fighting the status quo for 10 years. And I'm still fighting, taking on the fights that no one else will, even when I have to fight alone. McLeod, as she mentioned, has been outspoken during her time in office on a variety of women's issues, including abortion and domestic violence. She shared her personal trauma of sexual assault earlier this year during the Senate debate over the so-called fetal harpy bill and gave the Democratic message following Governor McMaster's State of the State address in January, in which she hit back at McMaster's leadership during the pandemic, saying he put business interests over lives. She's pushing for equal pay, better public education, helping rural areas, and expanding health care for South Carolinians, to name a few of her top issues. McLeod joins former 1st Congressional District Representative Joe Cunningham and party activist Gary Votor in the race against McMaster. As for how she plans to win a state in which no Democrat has won statewide in 15 years, she said the following. Year after year, gubernatorial election after gubernatorial election, South Carolina Democrats have done the same old things, the same old ways, and gotten our butts kicked. The future is now. We've got to reject the notion that South Carolina is always going to be divided, a divided red state. With your help, I look forward to building a unified state where the majority and the minority matter. We'll be watching this race for you in the coming months as we begin the march to the 2022 primaries, which are nearly a year away. Campaign trail. Okay, let's start with some numbers after we do the numbers, but before we do the numbers. <laughs> I know how much everyone loves that bit. Let's start with some new state unemployment claims numbers. Data. South Carolina has continued to see a sustained downward trend of initial unemployment claims to the point where for the last two weeks, we are now back to pre-pandemic levels. For the week ending May 29th, claims were at 1,972 which were down about 100 claims from the week prior, and both were under the March 8, 2020 rate of 2,093. So if that number still sounds high to you, let me put this in some 2020 context for you. Like I just said, the March 8, 2020 claims were 2,093. The following week, they skyrocketed to 31,826, 
and they continued climbing to their April 5th peak of 90,000 claims. A month later in May, nearly 269,000 South Carolinians were on unemployment benefits. Now, about 38,000 South Carolinians are on the unemployment rolls still. That's also more than double pre-pandemic levels, and that, has, and that number has plateaued since early April. Now, let's look at some national numbers. Now, I understand there's data. The AP led off with this on Friday. U.S. employers added a modest 559,000 jobs in May, an improvement from April's sluggish gain, but still evidence that many companies are struggling to find enough workers as the economy rapidly recovers from the pandemic recession. The unemployment rate fell to 5.8% in May from 6.1%. And we continue to see this gap in the labor market and demand for jobs for a variety of reasons, including unemployment benefits, women still handling family issues due to childcare problems, continued worries over the virus, and workers pushing for higher wages, to name a few. Mike Switzer of the South Carolina Business Review spoke about labor demands with Frank Hefner. He's the director of the Office of Economic Analysis and professor of economics at the College of Charleston. So first of all, give us a quick picture of South Carolina's economy as we enter the heat of summer. Well, it it turns out that uh, there are a number of surprises. One indicator of the surprises has been the increase in tax revenue collected That seems to be interpreted as an indicator that we were generating more economic activity than anticipated. But with the delay in tax filing, some of that will have to be refunded, uh, possibly. But we do know for sure that the retail sales taxes have come in much higher than we were afraid of when we were looking at this a year ago. And, of course, a lot of that was due to relief checks, stimulus checks, enhanced unemployment compensation that uh, a year ago we could not necessarily predict. So there's been a bright side to all of this in terms of those kinds of numbers. And in certain sectors, for sure, we've talked about this before, the construction sector is doing gangbusters. It's hard to get qualified workers for that area. It's hard to get uh, building contractors. And so we're finding a lot of choke points, I guess, in the economy now with slowdowns which says that there's a lot of pent-up demand and there's supply chain issues. All right, so let's turn to this labor market situation that we have right now. I I read a recent summary of uh, the president of the Richmond Fed's recent discussion on this issue. The summary is that employers at the low end are just not willing to pay enough for people to work for them and that Maybe it's a wage shortage instead of a a labor shortage. And later in the week, we have an interview airing on this show with Bobby Williams, who runs the Lizard's Thicket chain of restaurants here in Columbia. And he basically said the same thing. Well, right. That's a supply issue in one sense. But there's also a demand side issue. So the supply side issue is the number of people willing to work. So we're talking about supply of labor. One of the considerations right now and concerns is that uh, people have been able to use what should rightfully have been a safety net to some extent has become an entitlement. And that's what I think a lot of people are concerned about, that there are jobs out there, they are available, but uh, people are not jumping back into the labor force, and there could be a whole host of reasons for that. Uh, But one of them certainly is, if you're going to be making more money, or at least as much money, not working as working, that's a no-brainer choice for most people. So that that becomes one issue. 
but but on the other side, you know, it's it's a labor market, it's a market, and supply and demand so- issues always claim and note that if you're having a hard time attracting workers to a job, then possibly the wages are too low, and you're going to have to raise the wages. And I think that's kind of the expectation a lot of people are, are looking at right now, that the ability to bring in low-wage workers for low-skilled jobs is going to be harder. You're going to possibly have to pay higher wages for low-skilled jobs. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. And so does this indicate that, indeed, uh, another topic that's been discussed a lot will be higher inflation, not too far down the road? Well, the traditional definition of inflation used to be uh, wage inflation. And so this is uh, clearly an indicator that uh, uh, if wages are going up, we'll see wage inflation. The real question then is how will that end up being translated to final retail prices? And, of course, that that depends on a lot of issues, mostly related to productivity. How much additional productivity can you squeeze out of your facilities so that you can afford the higher wages without raising the retail prices? But at the lower skill level jobs, you pretty much got all the productivity we can get. Uh, And so uh, unless you replace them with uh, machines and robots, which is another problem. But, yes, it does look like this is going to be an indicator for inflation coming down the pipeline. Thanks, Mike. You can find his reports on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Though it's been three weeks since the Colonial Pipeline slowly came back online, 18% of gas stations in the state are still reporting fuel outages, which oil watchers say is likely due to an increase in demand. At the same time, oil prices have continued to rally, including on Friday, when Brent crude, the international energy benchmark, reached as high as $72 a barrel. That was the first time since 2019, according to Reuters. This comes as the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and Allies, known as OPEC+, said they would continue to unwind the steep cuts made during the pandemic by increasing output by 450,000 barrels a day. The rise in prices is also being fueled by the vaccination rollouts in the U.S. and Europe, while infections in China, the world's biggest oil consumer, remain low. Slow vaccine movement in many large countries still presents some concerns. But officials predict strong demand for the back half of the year and expect an end to the pandemic oil glut by the end of July. The Wall Street Journal notes that this demand is set to further increase due to a forecast of record global expansion. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development said Monday it expects global output to increase 5.8 percent, which would be the strongest expansion since 1973. And as we go, a little tidbit about inflation. Higher oil prices are feeding global inflation, and in the U.S., the Commerce Department found consumer prices rose 0.6 percent in April from a month earlier and 3.6 percent from this time last year. Now, core inflation, which excludes energy and food, was up 3.1% over last year. So prices are going up, folks. This is why. We have a short medical section for you today, a good sign if you ask me. DHEC announced this week that the Community Vaccination Center at Columbia Place Mall has brought back the Pfizer vaccine in addition to the one-shot Johnson & Johnson. The FEMA-supported drive-through clinic will wrap up two months of daily vaccinations on June 9th. 
Now, on DHAC's regular media call this week, Assistant State Epidemiologist Dr. Jane Kelly urged residents to be wary of emergency situations that could increase the risk of COVID-19 infections. Yesterday marked the beginning of hurricane season. As we all know, this time of year can easily come with mass evacuations for state residents or an influx of people from other states who had to, vac- had to evacuate. Being vaccinated in these critical situations will prevent a significant spread of the virus and will greatly reduce the chances of contamination, hospitalization, and death. So we strongly encourage everyone to do their part, get vaccinated as quickly as possible. And another important development, DHEC has expanded its vaccination homebound project to all 46 counties in South Carolina in an effort to help individuals in rural and underserved communities of the state. DHEC has partnered with providers who will send vaccine administrators to scheduled appointments. This will allow vaccine access to homebound residents of South Carolina. In addition, one caretaker per homebound individual can also get vaccinated under the program. To schedule an appointment with the Vaccination Homebound Project, call DHEC's Vaccine Information Line at 1-866-365-8110 from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. So some positive news right there from DHEC. You can also find out more at scdhec.gov. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic, post-pandemic, where are we? Who knows? Let us know what you're doing, though, because it's June. We want to know. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, a message, and where you're calling from. And with that, A.T. Shire, do we have a voicemail? Oh, we got a voicemail, dog, dude. We got voicemails. Oh, you'll love to hear it. Um, If it's someone uh, pushing cryptocurrency, we're not going to play it, though. Yeah, a lot of (laughs) coins coming out. Lead coins coming down the pike. I know. Don't. You can't. Okay, fine. We can tell them. Lead coins coming out. We're doing lead coin. (laughs) Gavin already has his own proprietary G. Jackson coin. (laughs) Um, So that's that's already out there. For maritime trade. (laughs) Yeah, I hear it's doing very well. But anyway, uh, let's see what this caller has to say. Hey, lead pod fam. This is Felicity Rop coming to you live from the interstate in between Greenville and Columbia, which somehow I spent half my life stuck in traffic on 26 here. So I figured I'd give you all a call because I listen to the lead every time I drive from home back to school. And so I figured, why not? I'll tell you all how things are going. Um, I've just finished up my sophomore year at the University of South Carolina. And oh boy, what a great time to be a student at the state's flagship university. It's been a hot mess of a couple weeks. But, um, yeah, how about it? Um, I'm going to be living in Columbia for the summer, working a policy internship, so I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm not stoked about living by myself for the first time in my life. I come from a large family, and so being by myself, and like, it's quiet. It's horrible. So I may be on the struggle bus. So, you know, people who are listening, want to hang out in Columbia, hit me up because I am a horrible um, – I get sad when I'm lonely. So come hang out. But anyways, COVID experiences, um, you know, I'm just glad that things are starting to go back to normal. It's very fun to see, especially towards the end of the semester at USC, seeing the campus get back to normal with people out on the horseshoe. And it's not like a ghost town like it was. Excited to hang out with friends. And, yeah, hopefully um, y'all are doing great. And I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. 
Felicity, great to hear from you. I know Felicity from the campaign trail way back, so it's always great to hear from her. Uh, Yes, 26, always a fun interstate to traverse, especially if you've you've ever done the Greenville to Charleston, which I know Meg and I can can talk about. Yeah, we've done that before. (laughs) Because you drive through Columbia, you're like, please, I want to stay. Let me stay at home. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah. But congrats on uh, finishing up sophomore year and the internship. Living alone, I mean, I love Gavin, it. You, Gavin loves it. <laughs> I yeah, I, I hate it, so I, I can relate. I, I can't stand it. I, I, I fear silence, so I get it. <laughs> like, um, I need my time, you know? I yeah. can only give so much, folks. No, I, I, I am a taker. I, I, I'm borderline energy vampire on, on most <laughs> yes, people. Yes, definitely. That, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's a very a, one-sided it's relationship. It's a hard friendship have. we have because we're both energy vampires, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you need someone to talk to, Felicity, the lead is always here. The lead is yeah. always on. Hit her with that number. You know what everyone <laughs> says, everyone's favorite June saying, we want to know what you're doing, so call the lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eight zero three five six three seven one six nine. Josh, oh, you got to plug it. Josh, Josh, intern Josh. Josh, Josh. Hello, intern Josh. Josh. It's back, Josh's folks. Friday. Hello, Josh. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, guys. What's up? Oh, no, just, everyone's favorite time of the week. Living for this. Living for it. Mm. Josh, what do you have for us yes. this week? Let's hear it. Uh, okay, so well, before we started taping, there was a good talk about golf and yes. uh, things like that. So uh, this so happens to be about some of the stuff that's been going on in Massachusetts. Uh, real quick though, I want to preface: what is your what is your go to GPS app on your phone? Me? Uh, just, yeah. I I normally do Google Maps, but uh, I'll slum it with Waze sometimes. Oh, just, sl- I just I just do Apple Maps. Same. Yeah, Gavin is it, a inter- monster. Well, I have Apple CarPlay, so it's just free. N- it's na- it's native. Oh, to anyway, who, who answered wrong? Fancy. Which one of us so, answered wrong? <laughs> well, actually, none of us answered wrong, so that's okay. good. Oh, um, but all winners. S- so here's the, here's the headline, and then we'll give some context. Uh, SUV gets stuck on golf course after a driver's <laughs> wrong turn. So officers in Massachusetts got a call at 5 a.m. to report to the sixth hole at the Brayburn <laughs> County Club golf course. When they got there, the driver told officers he was driving home using the Waze GPS app mm-hmm. when he oh, made a wide turn and got stuck on the green. So I actually, I actually You're not respect to drive him. on the green. You can't <laughs> drive on the green. <laughs> I respect him though, because this guy had complete faith in his yeah. GPS. That, system. That's commitment. I, I'm not that committed blind to anything faith. in my life. Like, yeah, really blind faith. <laughs> it just it, it says turn How right. How did he get stuck on the green? Must have been like really wet or something like that. It oh, must I bet you probably just dug it up too. Just like oh, spun he was out doing, on it. Oh. He got he got caught doing donuts and tried to blame Wade. <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> well, the lesson here though is no matter what always trust your phone because <laughs> yes. gps apps they can't update their maps unless we have sacrifices like this guy so <laughs> well, so josh I, I, is uh moral of the story josh is calling for more people to, to to face greens drive on your golf courses you heard it on the lead first well i navigate <laughs> by the stars of course so yeah. i don't really drive during uh, the day gavin travels with a sextant at all <laughs> times and uh reads the stars in the wind <laughs> <laughs> um, AT, we haven't heard much from you. You're down in Charleston doing some yes. stuff. Let us know what's going on. What's new with you? Oh well, I had a I had a moment uh, that totally demoralized me oh, the other this. day. Uh, Ga- <laughs> yeah, Ga- Gavin's gonna love this. Uh, Bradley and I, uh, Bradley, host of Sinas and Soundscapes, uh, who is sitting right here silently, not hearing me because his headphones are on. But uh, uh, he, uh, he, we were driving to go get uh, some Peking duck that I found over in West Ashley. But mm-hmm. while we were driving. 
um, I heard uh, uh, this person, they were playing a classical guitar and I went to college for classical guitar and they were actually playing the piece that was like the headline of my senior recital. And so I was like, oh, Bradley, this was my senior recital. This was my piece, you know? And uh, I was telling him about how hard it was to play and how many hours I had to toil learning it. And then the piece ended and it turned out it was an 11 year old playing it. Oh, <laughs> a very talented 11 year old. And I was like, I hate this kid. I, I hope his fingers fall off. I, I really, <laughs> really was upset. I was very demoralized and I was like, God. I thought just... you weren't that competitive, AT. <laughs> no, it's not competitive. It's just Anger. like you feel truly terrible that like oh, you're like, oh, this was like the, different, hot, the, the hardest thing I've ever done. And no, this is a child, a very young preteen doing it. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, terrible. a very talented. I mean, it's, you know, truly talented. Yeah. Innate talent there. It was um, awful. Well, that's OK. Me, I, I was personally. also demoralized recently, too. I can. Yes, share this I know story. you. <laughs> You've got a pretty good demoralization story, too. So yeah. we've uh, been going through this uh, SCE TV Employee Appreciation Week. You Must know, we be had... nice to be appreciated. Oh, here, oh, here we go, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mentioned last week, they were having the Fireflies game. I didn't go in solidarity because AT wasn't there. He couldn't go with yeah. me. I'm never there uh, for any of them. <laughs> on purpose. You were there last two years ago. We went. Remember? I don't think so. We made, we, we made Renee laugh. Um, and so this week, we had an ice cream social at work. We had this... Uh, ice cream truck show up we got to have like you know whatever you wanted so the chill uh, cow i went i went whole want. hog on it so i was like give me three scoops baby of mm -hmm. you know this black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream you know which basically came out to being a pint of ice cream anyway mm -hmm. i'm waiting in line with my other producer amy crouch we're talking thinking about what we're going to get and behind us one of my coworkers says gavin are you sure you should be eating ice cream, beating on TV and all? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Lay off me. I'm starving. Lay off me. I'm starving. <laughs> Later, I realized that it's Charlene, our head of HR, who is fat shaming me. Yeah, love it. Love I it. I mean, what in the world? They're just lucky I'm a team player here, folks. I laughed it off. But uh, I laughed it off. He, I, yeah. I think there's going to be a suit phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to FOIA this. I think we can FOIA this. I will say though, I, three scoops is too much. I was, I was done. I just did you. Two. You got so you got like sprinkles, fudge, and tears on yours, right? <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> crying up for my ice cream. Josh was there. Josh, but then, yeah. But then you were like, salt and chocolate are good together. Yeah. It's, it's good. I had two scoops and I had a sugar headache by the end of it. So <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. I it must be out. nice to get uh, appreciated. Uh, okay, at work. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's wrap it up there, folks. No one needs to hear a pity party. We appreciate you, At. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> call. Well, call, everyone, call in and tell, call tell me how much you appreciate you me. Love AT. <laughs> <laughs> He's really not your appreciated, folks. Eight zero three five six three seven one six nine. You can also leave us a message and tell us how much you appreciate all of us <laughs> on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Randy. <laughs> it's a Peewee's Playhouse reference right there. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. That makes sense to me. Um, hey, that makes sense to me. <laughs> hey, that makes sense to me and my family. <laughs> <laughs>